This is Bloomberg Business Week from Bloomberg Radio. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Carol Masser. Welcome to the Bloomberg Business Week Extra. It's our weekly podcast bringing you an in-depth interview you will not hear anywhere else. This week, we hear from John Haritz. He is the CEO of JSW Steel USA, longtime guy in the steel business, really came up through the ranks. He was thrilled when he heard about President Trump's tariffs on steel and aluminum, but then he found out that they had an adverse impact on his company. So the main character in a story in this week's Bloomberg Business Week magazine, Jason, it's a steel company and its CEO that was in favor of the Trump administration's tariffs until it wasn't. Absolutely. It's a fantastic story in Bloomberg Business Week. Joe Doe was one of the writers, yeah. but we have the man himself here with us, the CEO and president of JSW Steel USA. That's John Haritz. Nice to see you. Thank you. Thank you. It's great Welcome to be here. Welcome to Bloomberg headquarters. So tell us the story in your own words. Take us back to these tariffs being announced and how you felt about it initially. Okay. Initially, um, when the tariffs were announced, we thought uh, or I thought, uh, uh, if you recall from the story, I landed in Baytown, Texas in 2015 to start reviving that company and bringing in a new team and mm-hmm. all of that jazz. And then ultimately, though, when um, when the tariffs got announced, uh, we thought, uh, I believed, as we were develop- developing our vision for how we would go forward, um, t- because that facility makes – Big plate, six inch thick, 150 inches wide, 155 right. inches wide, down to quarter inch, and, and pipe for energy. Now, um, so we had a, a vision on how to put in the plate mill of the future. We designed that with a bunch of wonderful engineers. That was number one. Then we thought, with the tariffs going in place, they were, it was going to slow down dumping. I testify in front of the ITC from time to time. International and- Trade Commission. Yes, mm-hmm. okay. yes, and because of plate being dumped in this country and pipe being dumped from, uh, I won't get into the countries, but um, I can talk about that at length. But anyway, um, and so we saw um, not only remember we had to compete for this capital, mm-hmm. and and the company, our parent company, is a phenomenal parent. You know, it's a phenomenal company, JSW, uh, big JSW in India, and. And so they spend a few billion dollars a year, but they just don't throw the money out. You have to demonstrate pro forma financials that you're going to do something incredible, right? And well, you need to make sure you're going to make money for the company. Make money, correct. An investment that pays off. Well, and for me, it was about making money. But it was also about creating jobs. Right. right. Okay. So, Which is why the Trump administration was certainly keen on what you were doing. Exactly. To be fair. Exactly. That's fair. And um, – and so we did design this uh, fa- facility of the future. In fact, the plate mill is going in right now as we speak. But the hot end, which is an electric arc furnace mm-hmm. and a caster, was absolutely necessary in my mind. And the parent also ultimately agreed. <clears throat> and as I said, we then had to put together pro forma financials so that we could get all the financing that was necessary. And um, – and so when the Section 232 stuff came out, I thought, well, it's going to help us in a, in a way because we're looking. There was a window of opportunity because once we get everything installed the way I felt, our cost structure would go way down. We'd be competitive with anything in the world for the products we make, make and that um, 
we were on our way. Yeah. So, so John, help us out here because I think, and there's so much great stuff in Joe Doe's story um, where it really explains, I think, how the steel industry works in the mm-hmm. U.S. You were in favor, though, of these tariffs back in early 2018. Correct. That President Trump imposed. Um, you were an energetic backer, as I think how uh, Joe Doe described you in his story. Um, why, why did you back it initially? Because what did it mean for your industry? It meant that we had, like I, I'll be a little redundant here, time to, well, to stop, or not stop, get ahead of the dumping of steel from other con- countries while we installed all the new technology that we were going to put in. So you needed that. You needed that time. We needed it. And what, and just to go back in time a bit, um, uh, I, I grew up in Youngstown, Ohio. Yeah. I started working in the steel mills when I was 18. And <clears throat> over time, as I progressed in my career, uh, I watched tens of thousands of jobs disappear because uh, many of the steel companies were not keeping up with the great new technology that was being designed uh, all over the world. So uh, this was like a um, – <clears throat> A step down back in memory road or memory lane, whatever. And, uh, and this be- big, beautiful plate mill that's 40 years old was built by U.S. Steel, yeah. my first employer. Mm. So this was an opportunity to redo something. I was a design engineer. And I was a, well, you know what the story says. And I've done a lot of things in, with regard to steel making for 40 some years. And so we had now this wonderful opportunity to um, bring back jobs, install incredible equipment. Then the tariffs hit us, and they hit us hard. Why did they hit you hard? Especially since you were a backer of here's, them initially, and you thought it would be a good thing, right? Well, here's what happened. The tariffs were announced, um, and they were – excuse me. Uh, the tariffs were announced, and <clears> – <throat> We knew we would have to pay tariffs because we get 12-inch thick slabs of steel. <clears throat> the only company that could provide them at that point in time, there was no one in this country that could, unfortunately. You have to have a slab caster to make these giant slabs. And there is not yet today a caster in this country that can make 12-inch slabs. So we were getting them from our parent company in India – and also 8- and 10-inch slabs. Those were coming from Mexico and uh, from an Arcelor Middle plant in Mexico. And they're very high-tech from a um, chemistry standpoint to make line, pipe, right? But mm-hmm. also plate. And But the 12-inch slabs um, we, we had to get from our parents. So, uh, and the point is, and I think what I love about this story is we get like a history lesson, right? Of yeah. the protections on the steel industry, and there were times where the Commerce Department go back to, you know, two thousand one, right, where there were tariffs imposed to protect things that were considered, you know, vital to our national security. Correct. Correct. And so, this is what's been going on. But you're saying that these slabs are not produced here, so the only way to get them is you have to import them. We have it's to. not like we're protecting some domestic industry here. Correct. Okay. Exactly. And so basically the tariffs that were meant to help you were hurting you on the other side. Yes. But we thought because there was an exclusion methodology that you could file with the Commerce Department that we would get all of our tariff money back. Right. And in 18, May of 18, we fire, filed for exclusions. Mm-hmm. And um, 
and they got denied a year later. And I was so optimistic they were going to get approved. Now, <clears throat> when you're paying 25% more for something. It's a big deal. It's a big, big deal. And so we were going to invest uh, $500 million in, uh, in Baytown, Texas. Tremendous, tremendous story and a lot of fun. And um, so, but uh, when we got hit with the tariffs and then we couldn't get them back, uh, we spent at least $50 million on tariffs. And that's when we had to make the decision not to put the hot end in right. in Baytown. So that was a uh, uh, <laughs> it was a bad time. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, feeling really uh, horrible about it all. And so, but you still support the administration. How is that possible? I support the administration because of the dumping issue. I don't support what they've done with the tariff issue. We are our action. As you know, we're bringing it's, – it's, we're suing the Commerce Department right. and the, tra and tra and the uh, Trade Court. Mm. Now, we don't think they were fair to us. I know they weren't because we told the truth. <laughs> we said we cannot get these slabs in this country. In fact, people who took objection to our situation – Claimed that they could supply us the, the slaps, and they couldn't. Mm -hmm. And you're talking about some of the big guys, like U.S. Steel, Nucor. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, and so uh, and um, NAK Steel was another um, another entity who's now been bought by Cliffs, and where I spent a great deal of my time, uh, 15 years uh, doing uh, their IPO, creating NAK mm -hmm. Steel with, with a wonderful team. But John, do you argue that some of those bigger steel companies? you know, unfairly had some political sway within the government to kind of get the government's attention. And, and as a result, you were, <laughs> you guys were hurt um, with those tariffs. Yeah, those exclusions I'll, I'll been tell made. the story and I'll let you make that decision. <laughs> so they did take a position against us. In fact, anyone who was bringing in slaps, they took a position against. Collectively, they can only supply about, let's say, 35 million tons of slabs mm -hmm. if they wanted to. But they use their slabs to make other products, right? Um, Value-added products. However, um, all the objections that they took added up to over 85 million tons. So <laughs> there's no way they could have supplied it no, anyway. Right. No, the math just and particularly work. ours. So we have a little different position yeah. than others. So, John, I, I want to sort of take you take you back or maybe in a slightly different direction, which is you talked about growing up in Youngstown, Ohio. You talked about creating jobs in Texas. I mean, that's what this comes down to at the core. There's some great sort of color in the story, as we say, about right. Ohio, about Texas. Ultimately, the political side, the economic side, the mm -hmm. human side of this is about people working about in, in a lot of ways. Help us understand where that stands and what the sort of net effect has been of the tariffs and the, and the administration's policies so far in that. So here's the way I looked at it. Um, the jobs that we were going to create, you know, we, I, I didn't want to work for a company, another steel company that was going to be a, a flash in the pan thing. Yeah. We wanted to put in the best technology in the world. Uh, JSW does that all the time. A few billion dollars a year, think of it. 
And we were going to be doing that here, and we, and we are, but we've been slowed down tremendously because of the tariffs. And so um, I, wanted to, I wanted to be a part of uh, – because I can't do this forever. I'm, well, you know, at some point I have to <laughs> kick back and, and, um, uh, and maybe become a professor or something. I don't know. <laughs> do, do something. But, um, but I love the steel industry and I'm, I'm, stuck, not, I'm, I'm stuck on this company. I love it and uh, all the people that we've, um, that we've brought in. And, but the thing is to create jobs not for uh, a few years, for decades, right. decades to come. You know, I'll say it this way, long after I'm in a pine box. Right. So where, so to, to speak to what Jason said or yeah. asked you, you know, where are you guys, at, you know, in terms of building up this plant, creating jobs? I mean, this is, and, and job creation, to be fair, also was certainly something that the administration, <clears throat> when they came into the White House, this was front and center. Mm-hmm. And I could see why this would catch their attention. So have you created jobs or what was the goal and where are you? Okay, the goal was to create uh, well over uh, 500 um, new uh, beautiful jobs that uh, were where people were going to get trained in a new technology, beautiful new, te- outstanding new technology. We're about halfway mm-hmm. only, and um, uh, this is in Baytown. This is in Baytown. Okay. Then we, as you know, we acquired uh, Mingo Junction. Right. Mingo Junction. Mm-hmm. It's a very old facility. And um, we have well, – when you're ready, I'm, when we get to that, I have some exciting news to announce about what we're doing in Mingo. But um, so we're not moving nearly as fast as we – as I want us mm-hmm. to, right? Be- when I say there's a window of opportunity, I don't know what's going to happen. The thing is that you don't, <laughs> you don't want to build a company that it, uh, it's contingent on what administration is in place, Right. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you want a company that's going to be uh, cost effective, cost competitive, making sustainable product sustainable well, indefinitely. This is what's. But can I ask you? This is what's interesting. Here is someone who I would I would say, for lack of a better word, friend of the White House. Right? Someone that Trying you've had a, you've had access. No, <laughs> yeah. no, no. And you've been in meetings. Um, you've talked with the Commerce Secretary. You've been in, I guess, photo ops with the President when it comes to certain things. And yet you're feeling, you know, kind of frustrated over some of the policies coming out that are impacting your ability to create a sustainable company. What's the breakdown? What's what's happened? What's what's missing? The Commerce Department simply. Uh, their decision concerning us was completely erroneous, hence why we're litigating. Mm-hmm. They're wrong. They were just wrong. And so what do you do in the meantime? As this uh, seeks to get resolved through the courts, uh, how do you run your business in the meantime? What are the decisions that you make now? Okay. We were very, very um, – uh, we're doing well for 30 months or so, very profitable, uh, nicely profitable. Now the – now. The one thing about the steel industry, and that's why I said window of opportunity, it's always cyclical, sure. right? And um, so getting the equipment in as quickly as possible right. to uh, be able to make money in the worst of times is the answer. And so that's what we've been doing. And so um, where we are now is we're moving forward with the plate mill. We're still importing slabs, but um, we're having to 
trial slabs from other companies in South America and other places that um, there isn't a tariff, they're quoted, and as you as you both understand. And at the same time, though, uh, we bought Mingo Junction. And now, um, and well, here's the announcement. <laughs> um, uh, we have one of the largest uh, electric arc furnaces in North America. It's called – it's Constill. It's the mm-hmm. methodology on how you feed scrap and other raw materials into mm-hmm. this monster furnace. We are completely uh, – we just signed contracts with Tenova and this is a, a huge deal and we are going to completely replace – the monster EAF that's there. It's already starting. In fact, this is the first time it's being announced. What's the EAF for those who are not the electric know. arc furnace? Oh, got it. Okay. okay. And this yeah. is in Mingo Junction? Correct. And so what? It, give us some sort of parameters for this. Is this new jobs? Is this uh, an investment of, of what caliber? Um, let's, let's talk about um, – because the infrastructure is already there, mm-hmm. right? Everything that holds everything in place um, – in Baytown, we were going to be greenfield. If you, that means there's there's property there. There's nothing there. Yeah. Right. So Mingo is a more fast and effective way, fast way, for us to um, make our own slabs. We want to be M M&M, and M, melt and manufacture. Right. So we're not tariff. Start to finish. Yep. Yeah. Start to finish. Right. Yeah, exactly. Good way to put it. And. Um, and so now, uh, Tenova has designed this uh, phenomenal. Uh, we're going to replace in, in totality the electric arc furnace, and it begins next month, right? March. Uh, how big of an investment is this, dollar figure wise? Can uh, you, say? you know, uh, probably twenty-five to thirty million. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, what will it ultimately do? Will that mean you won't have to import from the parent? Not. Completely, because that big furnace feeds into a slab caster, makes slabs. Yeah. That thing needs upgraded also. Okay. The one that we have. So we're looking at that now from a technology standpoint. And, uh, well, we're moving along. But it's slowing us down because – it's a, because of the tariff situation. Well, that's what I wanted to get to, just to kind of tie this all up. Um, and I just think, you know, we talk about trade a lot and tariffs um, yeah. from a journalist perspective, and we have a lot of insight from our reporters, but here's somebody on the ground who's smack in the middle of it and being impacted by it. So what would you kind of tell our audience, smart audience, investors as well, about kind of what's going on when it comes to tariffs that are being imposed in the U.S. Is it making you slow down on spending and creating a much more viable business and job creation as a result or what? You know, if we stick with it, and that's my plan, Mm -hmm. um, we will have the viable business that we anticipated. But it's slowing us down tremendously. And, you know, when you get slowed down like this – who knows what the future is right. going to bring, right? Or what, what economic cycle you might exactly, then ultimately move exactly. into? Exactly. So right now we're in kind of a kind of a dip mm. in the uh, uh, in the cyclicality of our industry, and uh, nevertheless we're still m- moving along. Right. But as I said, slower than we should be. And so, again, sort of final question: 
as you think of through your career uh, in this business, and you've held mm-hmm. a lot of senior positions, and as you say, like started as a young guy uh, doing this, now you're just youngish. Um, <laughs> Thank you. What? Uh, where are we in 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 sort of the the steel business? And because I think part of the thing that we think about as Americans and right. business people and consumers <laughs> and human beings is, you know, this is a business that that is fundamentally, it feels like, so American, you know, sort of manufacturing steel. Right. What's the moment we're in right now? Uh, here's where we are now. There are a lot of great companies um, uh, like Nucor, like SDI, and they're putting in new facilities also. Excuse me. And, um, and so things are moving ahead, but um, – and, and they are actually – kind of able to move faster than we are mm-hmm. because of the tariff issue. And so um, trying to answer your question, uh, right now the uh, industry's in a bit, a bit of a lull from yeah. our standpoint. But uh, the whole – I think the whole point uh, is I'm just not giving up. We're not giving up. Right. <laughs> we're, right. We're, we're slowed down. Do I think we're going to make it? Yeah, I think we are for sure. We have uh, we've built two wonderful teams of people in both Baytown and um, and Mingo Junction, and they're seasoned people that really understand the industry, and that's huge. Right. And and and, and teamwork. And, uh, you know, the way I feel about things is uh, I'm a safety freak. I've watched too many accidents. This is a tough industry. You got to treat everyone with dignity. You got to do the right things with regards to safety, mm-hmm. housekeeping. Mm-hmm. Then you put the equipment in. Then you can be productive and you can also be profitable. And, God willing, you can also give uh, bonuses to people. Right. Right. And they can. Um, they can have a wonderful life. Well, but I think you make a great point, Jason, is that if you think about the kind of core of our country, like Andrew Carnegie, right? Steel. Like there were certain yeah. industries that this is what we were known for. Is there a role or will there be a future role in terms of uh, U.S. companies specifically in the steel industry? I mean, we kind of need it for national security. but I, Exactly. But, I mean, are we putting the right policies in place to make sure that that's there? For I guess for some companies, they would, they would feel uh, a little more uh, – completely fine with the way things like are Like a right U.S. dealer, right? Some of the bigger yeah, guys? Yeah, right. And, um, uh, and we're, we're, we were on our way. We're still on our way to be yeah. a quote-unquote big guy. Mm-hmm. And um, But it's a little tougher, right? Yeah. So uh, if you think about steel, we, uh, from a nationalistic standpoint, I think it's better if we make our steel in this country. And um, But right now, this country cannot make all the slabs that are necessary to crank out all the end products mm-hmm. across the board. Yeah. So that's, and by end products, you mean car doors and things, and that, do- yes, washers, dryers. Yeah, and pipe and, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, heavy plate, which is what we do. Which we just take for granted. And then we make uh, flat rolled steel for all of the uh, things you just mentioned. Yeah. That was John Horitz, the CEO of JSW Steel. Great interview. Uh, I love somebody who's been in an industry for yeah. a long time, really understands it. And he in conjunction with Joe Doe's story, like I highly recommend everybody check it out either in the magazine or online because it really explains what's going on in the steel industry. Well, and as so many things are in life, 
it's complicated. Totally. You've been listening to Bloomberg Business Week Extra. Be sure to tune in to Bloomberg Business Week Radio live Monday through Friday at 2 p.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Radio. I'm Carol Masser. And I'm Jason Kelly. This is Bloomberg.